This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello everyone and welcome along to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel with myself, Patrick Smith, as we take a retrospective look at Liverpool's start to pre-season in Southeast Asia. Well, joining me to reflect on all the major talking points is Matt Addison. Matt, how's things? Yeah, all good, mate. I was just saying just before we started, wasn't I? It's, it's not too warm yet here in Liverpool, so it, I'm all right so far. Ask me again on Monday and Tuesday. I think <laughs> I, I might give you give you a different answer on the, on Monday's Blood Red podcast, but yeah, for now, I'm all right. Yeah, there's a message to our listeners and viewers as well. Make sure you stay inside and listen to and watch the Blood Red podcast to keep yourselves safe. Well, Matt, it's been a very exciting start to the season, hasn't it? Probably the most hype we've had around the pre-season for such a long time, and not only due to the fact we've had our first international tour for three years, we've also got some very exciting new signings. So let's start with the main one, Darwin Nunes, Matt. It's got, we've got to start with him simply, haven't we? Potential club record signing, but it hasn't quite been the perfect start to pre-season. Not to be too harsh, but how do you think he's got on so far? I mean, to be honest, I, I think there's been a few decent signs. I mean... The, the sort of videos going around on Twitter of a couple of missed kicks and, and that kind of thing. I don't think are particularly helpful. We saw him tweeting out a, a little shushing emoji, if you like, of, of him trying to quieten the haters, which I don't know whether that's particularly helpful, to be honest. I think it's obviously to some extent playing on his mind, which I, I just think it's it's one of those where the first goal will go in, hopefully some point in pre-season, hopefully next week when they play Leipzig. Hopefully he can just score that goal and, and get that out of the way, really, because it's far too soon to be making a concrete judgment one way or the other. I'm sure, you know, lots of supporters of other teams would much prefer it if Liverpool finally get one of the big transfers wrong. But I don't know. I, I just think it's far too soon. We've seen, you know, last season in the Champions League just how good Darwin Nunez can be. You know, we, we've seen it firsthand at Anfield. He was was absolutely brilliant that night. We've seen Virgil van Dijk, Ibrahim Konate. Joel Matip a couple of days ago was talking about how difficult it was to play against him. So I think there's there's a really, really good player in there. It's it's not quite happened for him yet, but let's be honest, he's probably jet-lagged from going to Asia. He's had about three training sessions. He's played about half an hour to an hour in terms of minutes on the pitch in games that don't matter, in difficult circumstances, with a much-changed team and all the rest of it. I don't know. It's, it's just far too early to, to make a judgment on him. I still think at some point soon he will come good. And as Andrew Beasley made the uh, the point on Twitter last night, Fernando Torres' first preseason wasn't particularly brilliant. I think he missed a penalty in that one, didn't play particularly well, and then scored 24 goals the, the following season. So I don't know. There's still there's still a lot of work for a lot of these players to do. But anyone who is disappointed by Darwin Nunez at this point, I think I just think you need to, to find something else to do with your life. To be honest, I think it's it's just far too soon to be making concrete judgments. Couldn't agree with that. It's not only is it far too soon, but as Jurgen Klopp has heavily said, it's kind of ridiculous to start to see the Liverpool have had. You know, you can just tell that Klopp is hating every moment of the talk as they're flying one minute, they're training at midnight the next, and they're playing the next, you know, without any pre-season fitness behind their backs. So no wonder it's not been an ideal start. But you can just see the quality he's got, the moves he makes, the runs he makes. But on that, Matt, we know the quality he's got, but positionally, you know, he's this new signing orthodox number nine to spearhead the attack. But actually, we've seen him drop out wide quite a lot, haven't we? I remember when Benfica came to Anfield, he was dropping out to the left-hand side, sort of tracking back and making runs in behind the left-hand side. Now, is he nailed on to start as this number nine? Or do you think there is potentially a case for him to become this, not wide player, but he does tend to move out there, doesn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, I think his starting position probably will end up being as a number nine. But I mean, that's what it was for, for Benfica, wasn't it? When we saw him and, and like you say, he kind of did drift a little bit out to the left hand side, which I think is is interesting. I think what we've seen from Luis Diaz in his six months at, at Liverpool so far is that obviously he tends to start on the left hand side, but he does like to drift inside, doesn't he? So that sort of dynamic, I think, is something that I'd be interested to see during the rest of pre-season. We've not really seen the two of them together much in training or, or in matches yet, just because they're kind of at, at different levels. Obviously, Diaz has been there a week or so longer. He came in on, on day one of pre-season and has kind of been able to to build his fitness up a little bit quicker and is probably a little bit sharper. But as the gap between those two kind of closes, I think we'll probably see a little bit more in terms of the relationship really between the two of those players, because like I say, on paper, at least you'd look at it and think that there's one drifting in, one drifting out might work quite nicely it's it's not quite as fixed as I think a lot of people thought it probably was with Darwin Nunez you've kind of got this kind of Erling Haaland type number nine runs off the shoulder of the defenders and I think he can do that but he also can do a little bit of the other bits as well which to play in a, a Liverpool front three is is obviously important but but with Diaz as well it's interesting because kind of the, the scouting reports from Porto was very much he hugs the left touch line stays out there but I think he's been given a little bit more freedom at Liverpool so be interesting to see how those two link up. I'd imagine Mohamed Salah will be definitely in the, the starting eleven for the start of, of the season. Probably those two would be would be your favourites, certainly with Diogo Jota's injury, which we'll come to shortly. I mean, if that's your front three, Diaz, Nunez and Salah, it's it's just exciting, I think, for me at this moment. And I think it'd be interesting as well. I mentioned that the Diaz-Nunez kind of combination. Be interesting to see what happens with the, the Salah-Nunez thing as well, because obviously that the goals are, are probably going to have to come from both of those players. It's up to now been a case of Mohamed Salah taking on the biggest kind of burden in terms of that goal scoring for Liverpool in his career so far. But when you're spending 64 million, potentially, you know, significantly more than that on Darwin Nunez, he's going to have to, to weigh in with, with a lot of goals as well. So, yeah, the, the dynamic, I think, is, is certainly changing within this Liverpool front three. But... Yeah, like I say, in terms of Nunez individually, but also collectively with the other sort of teammates around him, it's it's far too soon to make a judgment. But Liverpool have got it right enough times, I'm sure, as that partnership or as that trio, as it were, for for the start of, of the season, probably kind of even even you know the rest of this preseason, but even the first few weeks of the season, it's going to take a little bit of time, a little bit of patience to to work itself out. But I think when when they all get firing, it's it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I think that potential partnership and interchangeability between Diaz and Nunes has definitely been exciting. It's going to give Diaz so much more space because, as I've said on pretty much every podcast I've spoken about him, I'm convinced he's a 30-goal-a-season player just waiting to happen. So hopefully Nunes can unlock that space for him to finally finish off these chances that he's come so close with. But let's move on, Matt, to the player who I'm genuinely, I think, most excited about seeing this season, Fabio Carvalho. There's been months of speculation around how the youngster will get on and pff, what a start for Fabio Carvalho, Matt. Yeah, he just looks like a natural Liverpool fit, doesn't he? I think we've seen him in a couple of different positions. I think there's probably a couple more positions that we might see him in in future, in a number 10 and, and as a false nine as well. But in midfield, on the left-hand side, he does look you know, really comfortable already. I know that the Liverpool players that have kind of been at the club for a long time have been very impressed with him so far in pre-season. They've kind of made that judgment already that he looks like a proper player and 
Liverpool a few weeks ago were, were laughing off the suggestion, really, that he could go out on loan for this coming season. They very much see him as a player that's going to make a key contribution. And I think that's very much going to be the case. I think he's going to take a few people by surprise. I think anyone that's not really watching pre-season for Liverpool that closely, maybe you know supporters of, of other teams or maybe people who, who don't really take too much notice of, of the pre-season friendlies, I think when the season starts, they're going to be a little bit surprised. I'd be... You know, I'd be more than comfortable if he was to come off the bench against Fulham on the first game of the season, for example, depending on injuries and sort of the pecking order over the next couple of weeks. I mean, there is a slim, a slim possibility that he, he could even sort of force his way into a, a starting team potentially. So, yeah, really exciting. So far, I, I prefer the look of him in the centre of midfield. I think that's where he looked a little bit better against Manchester United. I love the fact that he can make those runs. He seems to have that perfect time in the instinct of being able to break forward from midfield, find the perfect time to get into the box and be able to, to finish off those moves. But whether he plays there or, or in attack, probably be a little bit of a, a mixture of the two, I would imagine, over the course of, of the next few months. But I suppose it might be slightly easier for him, not least with the Jota injury, to get maybe a few more minutes in the attack than in the midfield, where you think there's, there's probably quite a few options in there that you'd be picking ahead of him at this moment. But you know, he, he's only 19, isn't he? he? turns 20, I think, next month. So there's still plenty of time for development. And even if it's just a season of bedding in, being a substitute, Liverpool have got themselves a really, really exciting talent there. And for such a small fee of, what, five million or so, wasn't it? I think from, from Fulham, just like Harvey Elliott, same club, same sort of price tag, same sort of position. I, I just think it's, you know, it's, it's, another, it's another hugely exciting one. And I'm like you, I think I'm... I'm at least as excited about Fabio Cavallo as I am about Darwin Nunez. When you look at the transfer fees, that sounds a bit mad, but I just think he's going to have a real breakthrough season. Yeah, you can just see the quality he's got. You know, he was so decent against Palace from the left, but it's against United in midfield where he really, really impressed me. And it's great to have this versatility, which I think this it's not a lack of clear position, but he's so good in so many different positions already so far in his, what, our combined time playing for Liverpool. Do you think this lack of clear position could perhaps be a potential downfall for him because he's not exactly a midfielder or an attacker by trade and with a midfield that's, you know, we've got nine options. Do you think he's going to have to shoehorn himself in somewhere? Or do you think he can make a case to become probably a midfielder? I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. I think it, it probably depends on a few other players, to be honest. I think it probably depends a little bit on what happens with Curtis Jones. I think he's one that is another one that I'm excited about this summer of kind of, can Liverpool play him a little bit higher up the pitch? Can they give him a bit more of an opportunity to do the things that we've seen him do at academy level? Because I think there's a much, much more exciting player in Curtis Jones than what people have seen so far at senior level. And I think it's a big season for him. I think it's a big season for Harvey Elliott as well. I think he's certainly out of those three kind of players that you could play in the midfield or in the attack of, of that same kind of age group. I think Harvey is, is by a distance the one with the highest ceiling on the evidence of, of what we've seen so far. But, you know, things can change very quickly. And if Fabio Cavallio can be the one that is forcing the issue and, and making himself the, the one that plays in that team and, and has to be sort of shoehorned in, it, it might be that that is in midfield. You'd imagine that, you know, as much as it's probably easier to see a few minutes here and there in the attack, it's probably a little bit easier to see him getting more minutes in the midfield, if that makes sense. You look at Diaz and Nunez and Salah, they've probably got a higher level than some of the midfielders that Liverpool have got on their books. So it'd be interesting to see kind of where all three of, of Elliot, Jones and, and Cavallio kind of fit themselves in. I think with Elliot, we'll probably see a little bit more of him in mid midfield. Obviously, we've seen him on the right-hand side so far in, in pre-season a little bit, but 
think when Mohamed Salah's there pretty much every week, it's going to have to be a midfield role for him. Cavalio slightly different. Obviously, Diaz is going to play most of the minutes on the left-hand side. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I, I just think wherever he plays, they're going to eventually, whether it's this season, whether it's in future seasons, they're going to have to find a role for him. But, I don't know, there doesn't have to be a negative side to being versatile. I think we've seen with say Phil Foden at Manchester City has played in the, the front three and played in the midfield. You wouldn't say that he's got a nailed on position and he's kind of been there for a couple of seasons. And yeah, I don't want to draw too many comparisons between <laughs> them, but Cavalio and, and Elliot in particular, there is there is definitely a Phil Foden type path, I think, for for them. They've, they've certainly got the ability and, and the talent level. The Agenda on the Blood Red Channel. I mean, yeah, we talk about similar footballing profiles. You know, Carvalho, Elliot and Jones are all so similar. And the thing with Carvalho and Elliot, they're actually teammates and friends who films you, Franks. But Harvey Elliott, Matt, let's move on to him because for me, he's probably been the standout player over the two matches. Um, Klopp was quoted as calling him being like a new signing, which is one that's bound to wind up some members of the fan base. But Matt, you know, it's such a shame seeing Harvey get injured last year because he had a brilliant start to the season. Started for several Premier League games in a row and then that whole horrible injury which derailed his year pretty much now is this finally the time that Harvey Elliott is going to make that big break because he kind of did last season but now's the time for him to kick on really isn't it yeah and I, I really think he will I think if he stays injury free it's going to be a real breakout season for him I mentioned Phil Foden before and I think you can kind of make the comparison there with a little bit more comfort to be honest I think from what we've seen last season Jurgen Klopp said it himself you know the first few games of last season he was certainly one of and Jurgen Klopp said the best player in the Liverpool team at that moment. So I don't know. It's it, for me, it's it's just such a, an obvious one, really, that Harvey Elliott is going to play a much much bigger role than what a lot of people might think. Again, he's kind of been a little bit forgotten. Obviously, he didn't play huge amounts at the back end of last season, but I think Liverpool were just being really sensible with him. To be honest, I think the idea was to to kind of just wait, give him the full preseason, and that seems to have paid off already. Because you look at how sharp he's been in those training sessions that we've seen. We've seen him. In a couple of games now, there was that turn against Manchester United, which was was just the sign really of a confident player, but also a player with loads of ability and, and just kind of enjoying his football, which I think, you know, it, it's obviously easier for a younger player in some, some aspects to kind of take a few of those risks. But then, you know, you've got to have that, you've got to back yourself, haven't you? You've got to have that confidence and that ability to, to be able to, to do those things in those big moments, I think is... It's just a sign, really, of just how good he is and, and how self-assured he is. He, he's very much one of, of the senior team. Now, he's he's, he's not really a, a young player coming through, but he is still only a teenager. So, yeah, plenty of, of excitement around him. I think if uh, Gareth Southgate had been maybe a, a few years ago a different England manager, there would be potentially conversations around him even going to the World Cup with England. I do think he's he's going to be pushing. There's going to be conversations around that if he starts the season. I don't think Southgate will do it because I think he's definitely one of those that tends to stick with the, the players that he knows and, and tends to play it a little bit safer. But I certainly think, you know, for the majority of our lifetimes, if if England were going to a World Cup and there was a player like Harvey Elliott coming through, we'd all be jumping on the hype train and, and going full full force of he should be in the team, we should be building the team around him and all the rest of it. I, I genuinely think he's he's a talent that big. You think of, you know, players in the past like a, a Michael Owen or even someone it didn't quite work out for in terms of Theo Walcott, you know, he's at that kind of, of level really. He justifies the the kind of talent that, that he's got is is absolutely at that level. So 
yeah, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. But if he if he stays fit this season, he's going to play a huge role for Liverpool because he's just something different, something else from that midfield. And you know, it's it's interesting the kind of Cavalio Coutinho type um, comparisons. I, I kind of get where people are coming from with that, but. Harvey Elliott's another one, you know, he plays on the right rather than on the left, but, you know, to, to play him in a midfield three, he's got that goal threat, he can create, he can find those passes, he's a bit more of a, a different forward-thinking option for Liverpool, so, yeah, and I don't want to make, again, another massive comparison with Coutinho, but he could become that kind of attacking number 10 type player in that Liverpool midfield, take them, maybe not to the next level necessarily, because they're already at a very high level, but maybe just give them that little bit, something different that you might need at certain times next season. I mean, they're big claims, but I don't think they're that unrealistic for a player with such a big talent and a big potential. And maybe if the call from Mr Southgate doesn't come, maybe Harvey Elliott's got a Welsh grandmother or grandfather <laughs> that he could perhaps call on. <laughs> come play for Rob Page. But Matt, let's move on to another midfielder who's pretty impressive during pre-season, looked very sharp in Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. But once again, Matt, it's that same old story. He's found some form, looks sharp, and gets injured it's just relentless for the poor guy isn't it yeah it's it's not ideal is it I think for him and Diogo Jota really it was a big pre-season obviously the Chamberlain situation in terms of the contract the fact that he could have moved on this summer but Liverpool have decided to to keep him probably the right decision I think on balance just in terms of you're not going to get a huge amount of money for him but yeah it, it looks like the injury now we we think it's a hamstring. I don't know exactly how long it's going to be. We don't know yet in terms of how severe it is. But, you know, even if it kept him out for a couple of weeks, which I think is is more than realistic, that's kind of the rest of, of pre-season finish for him, isn't it? You're then looking at going into the season without really having the, the sharpness and the fitness that you need. And suddenly he's, you know, even further behind in the pecking order than what he already was. So, yeah, it's, it's not ideal for him. I do think there's a role for him this season. I think probably it'll be in the position that we saw him play about 40 minutes against Crystal Palace, which was on the right-hand side of the front three. I think with Minamino and Origi not being there anymore, I suspect that there'll be probably more opportunities for him in the forward line. It's not going to be in the big games. It's not going to be in the the, the massive fixtures. It'll be more Carabao Cup, FA Cup. It might be you know, certain times off the bench and, and that kind of thing. But I do think there's a role for him. But again, just injuries, bad luck. It's just come at a really, really bad time, I think, for him. He really needed a, a pre-season where he was injury-free. Even then, there was no guarantees that he'd be able to to do much for Liverpool this season. But, you know, if he is out now for a, a period of time, I think that's it's, it's just the worst possible news for him, really. Well, there's also some obviously disappointing injuries. You mentioned Diogo Jota. Let's talk about Diogo because it's going to be a big pre-season for him. Obviously, not ideal with him having Darwin Nunes brought in. He's got 29 goal contributions last season, Jota, to find out there's a big new signing. This is perhaps his time to stamp down there. I'm the man here. I'm the goal scorer. Big shame and a big setback for him, Matt, isn't it? Yeah, and I actually think that the knock-on effect isn't great for Darwin Nunez either because suddenly it starts to look like Diogo Jota certainly isn't going to be back for the Community Shield, Jurgen Klopp said, which is only a week before the new season starts. I think it would be fair to say it's at, at best a race against time to be back for the Fulham game for him now because of, of that recurrence of an injury. So for Diogo Jota, I think it's it's not great, but just for Liverpool generally as well, I think it puts a little bit more pressure on Nunez to hit the ground running. It puts a little bit more pressure on Roberto Firmino as well, who I think has done all right in pre-season so far. He's not particularly stood out and done anything exceptional, but you know he had a lot of injuries himself last season. He's going to have to stay fit, which is you know not necessarily a guarantee. So 
it's it's going to be an interesting few weeks. I think for for Liverpool's attack, we know that they've not got quite as much depth of what they had last season. Possibly this is an opportunity, maybe for a Cavalio or maybe a Harvey Elliott or someone else to to break into to the team in that way. Because yeah, if uh, if Jota's going to miss pre-season, you'd imagine he's probably not going to start the season. If even if he's fit, you'd imagine he you know other players would be preferred. So yeah, the the knock-on effect is is interesting with that one and. You know, a, a few other injuries as well to, to kind of cover as well, which is not ideal in, in other areas as well. So, yeah, it's it's not the perfect situation. But I suppose the flip side of that is you'd rather the injuries came now rather than during the actual season. Yeah, fortunately, most of those other injuries are just sort of fatigue ones. I think Allison's had an injury to his abdominal muscle. Is it abdominal muscle, Matt, was it? I, I think, think so, yeah. Up. I mean, Jurgen Klopp was kind of talking about him as, yeah, he might, he might play in the, the community shield. That was kind of the vibe, which... Says to me, it's a little bit more serious than than, than possibly what he was saying a, a few days ago. But yeah, that was was one in the, in the warm up, which I think he's able to do a little bit of of certain bits of training, but he's not fully participating, which again is not ideal. And he's another one, strangely, you don't tend to get it with goalkeepers, but he does tend to to pick up a few of these little injuries now and again, which yeah, not ideal. Not least with within Kelleher also having not been on the tour because of his own injury. So yeah, possibly uh, could be an interesting few weeks for Adrian. Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully not too much of Adrian. Got to love his personality, but I would love to see Alison Keller have a swift recovery. So obviously, Kevin Kelleher, Calvin Ramsey, and Kate Gordon would all rejoin the squad back in Liverpool. So touch wood, they all stay injury free and have a long and prosperous season with us. But Matt, there's been some pretty promising young faces, haven't there, during pre-season? Let's talk about some other performances from players. You know, there's Academy boys in there. The return of Seth Vandenberg, particularly from loan. Who impressed you the most, not from the obvious starting eleven players? I mean, Sepp was, was one, actually. I think Sepp Vandenberg has, has come a long way in the, the Championship. You've got to learn quickly. And he's been playing for 18 months down there for, for Preston. And I think he's done pretty well there by all accounts. I can't say I've watched him too many times, to be honest. But, you know, playing wing back, he's he's come on a lot, I think, in terms of on the ball. Physically as well, you saw the, the battle yesterday. I can't remember. Was it Odson Edward that he brushed out of the way, I think? Um, just... Those kind of little things, I think, have, have kind of impressed me with him. You kind of you knew that there was a good player in there that had obviously played senior football at a very early age in Holland, but to come to England and, and do it, I know it's a bit of a stereotype, but it is it is a bit of a, a much more physical league in the, the championship in particular. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see kind of what happens next with him, to be honest. I think possibly another loan deal could be could be the way to go, but whether that's Premier League, whether that's sort of championship level, I'm not too sure. But yeah, be interesting to see what happens with him because Liverpool have got so much depth at the back. You'd imagine he's probably not going to get too many chances. It was similar for Nat Phillips and Reese Williams last season. They kind of stuck around a bit. Well, certainly, you know, Nat Phillips did, didn't play and then goes out on loan in, in the January. So, yeah, I, I can't see too many opportunities for him at Liverpool, but I think he's certainly ready for a step up on Preston, wherever that might be. But, yeah, I think he's he's probably one that, that stood out to me against Palace. I really like the the look of, of Stefan Bicetic against Manchester United. I think he was was one of those that kind of dealt with the occasion probably a little bit better. He, he looked, you know, kind of cool and calm in the centre of the park. And Bobby Clark is is one. I, I just absolutely love to, to watch him. We've not seen loads of him. He's certainly not a number nine, which is where he played on Tuesday. But yeah, I think he's he's definitely one to watch over the next few seasons because yeah, there's there's a lot of, of talent there, a lot of goals in there, but um those are the ones that have kind of stuck out to me so far. But 
be interested to, to kind of see what happens with, say, Calvin Ramsey. He kind of falls into to that bracket as well. Kate Gordon as well. I think, you know, it wasn't ideal for, for him to miss this tour. It could be a big season for him as well. So, yeah, hopefully by the time Liverpool's players are back in training at the AXA Centre that, you know, he's one that, that's back from injury as well. Well, that's the exact thing that's happening now. The players are currently back on route to Merseyside to the AXA Training Centre, which I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will be absolutely delighted to be happening. But what happens next, Matt? What happens over the next couple of weeks for Liverpool here? Essentially, it's it's going to be more sort of training, uh, less matches, less sort of being forced to, to go out and, and do certain commercial aspects, which, like you say, Jurgen Klopp isn't a massive fan of. I know that that was something he kind of spoke fairly openly about actually on LFC TV before the game on uh, on Friday. He kind of just said, yeah, we're desperate to get back. We love doing these tours. We love seeing the, the people and, and going out and, and visiting places that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, visit ordinarily. But, you know, at the same time, the, the key work is going to start now. And I think this is where we're going to see the intensity ramped up. We're going to see a lot more um, of the training sessions, the double sessions, the, I mean, I was going to say it's not going to be quite as hot when they come back to Liverpool, but that's not strictly true, is it? It certainly won't be as humid as what it's been over in Asia. But yeah, it, it's back to Kirby for a couple of days. Obviously, Leipzig to come next week, Red Bull Salzburg the week afterwards. And then you're only sort of a week or so away from the new season, aren't you? Manchester City and, and Strasbourg to, to come as well. So yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a training camp. I think they're going to stay out in, in Austria for a little while between the Leipzig and the Salzburg game. I think Leipzig is quite close to, to the Austrian border, isn't it? So, yeah, they'll they'll basically just be doing a lot more of the stuff that Jurgen Klopp needs them to be doing. He's not going to have quite as much time as what he had last season. I think last summer's was sort of seven weeks of, of pre-season. It's, it, it's not going to be that luxurious for him this time around. But I'm sure, you know, the intensity will ramp up. The, the matches will start to look a little bit more normal. I think we even saw about this week, to be honest, that the Manchester United game wasn't particularly cohesive. But then by the time they played Palace, it, it, it all looked... You know, a significant step better. So, yeah, I think that's what well, that's kind of what to expect, really. I think we'll see we'll see a lot more of that over the next couple of weeks. And you know, Manchester City Community Shield. It's it's not the most important to games this season, but I think that's the one where you can kind of see who's in the starting team. Is Darwin Nunez picked to play in that one, for example? I think that will be a bit of a clue as to what we expect against Fulham the week later. That's probably the one where you can look at, at a few of these players and, and start to make a few judgments. Even then, it'll still be soon, but certainly not as soon as what it is now. Yeah, that's the thing. The real pre-season starts. I think the tour, they just sort of, it was a case of getting everything boxed and out of the way and have not too many players injured. Unfortunately, a couple have come back with a few knocks, but we've come out of it pretty unscathed, Matt, haven't we? Well, let's draw this to a close. I'm going to get you to finish, Matt, by summarising the start of Liverpool's pre-season. Let's score Darwin Nunes and Fabio Cavalli out of 10 so far. So what would you say on those two players out of 10? Oh, you've thrown this at me, haven't you? Um, Darwin Nunes, I suppose, I suppose I could go in the middle somewhere, maybe a 5 out of 10, just in terms of we've not seen loads of him yet. He's not been particularly brilliant, but it's still early days, still plenty of, of scope to, to increase that significantly. And I'm sure he'll get better. I'm sure, you know, by the time Liverpool have played Leipzig and Salzburg will see him play at least a half in both of those games. And I think that will do him an absolute world of good. Hopefully he can score a, a goal in there. Fabio Cavallio, I suppose it's got to be a little bit higher, maybe a, a seven so far. I think we've we've seen little bits of him in, in training looking pretty sharp. And he's one of those that is a bit more of a, 
a flair player, isn't he? He's a different type of, of midfielder, certainly, to what Liverpool tend to have had under Jurgen Klopp. So, yeah, still still early days for, for both of those. I think Fabio Cavallio is the one that's probably impressed the most up to this point. But, yeah, things can change very quickly over the course of the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you've dealt very well with the curveball there, Matt. <laughs> I would have to agree as well. Plenty to work on, but very promising signs. Well, Matt, thanks again for joining me on the agenda. Huge thank you as well to all of you watching and listening along at home. As we previously mentioned at the start, it's going to be dangerously hot over the next few days, so make sure you stay inside. And to save your boredom, stay tuned to the Blood Red Podcast and YouTube channel to keep yourselves entertained. But for myself, Patrick Smith and Matt Allison, thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.